0: My guest here today has a few specific angles that we're going to kind of approach the plant medicine world through, which I think are going to be informative for me personally and maybe for someone else listening, but insightful, definitely. So taking a step back, what got you into this weird
1: world of plants and their healing properties? So I was, I guess, around 21. Um I would consider myself a bit of a spiritual window shopper at that point, dipping my toes in a whole number of forms of spirituality. I'd say I came from kind of a spiritually devoid Western background where not much importance or value was given to a spiritual mindset, a spiritual practice, and was seeking, at that point, anything, frankly. Um, I wasn't seeking out specifically plant medicine, but I was aware of its existence and open to it. I was traveling in Central America, trying out various sort of spiritual things, yogas and other things like that. Um, ended up meeting a man who was, they don't use the word shaman in the world he's from, but uh, he worked with peyote, cactus. I don't know if we're talking about that specifically, but. We are now. Okay. And I ended up spending a lot of time with him. I took a lot of interest in him and in comparison to sort of the other schools that I had been dipping my toes in There was a level of depth and clarity. The difference between the way this man spoke about what he did, it was clear that his body of knowledge was the product of his own work, right? He developed this body of knowledge where in any yoga or other form of meditation, someone was sort of telling me the doctrine, right? It was like, they learned it somewhere. not from a personal experience it just meant that they had learned it from someone else and were teaching it to someone else and sort of this chain of information was being passed that way. Right. Where it was, it was obvious this man who worked with medicine had sort of constructed his own knowledge base, which was incredibly attractive to me in the sense that right here I am, I'm 21, I'm an idiot. I wanna be less of an idiot. You know, I'd gone through schooling and it's like, there's this process of someone teaching you stuff they know and you learning stuff they know versus just observing it and piecing it together on your own. And it was clear he had done that process. He also was not trying to teach me in that way. He wasn't saying like, here's the answer to this, here's the answer to that, or here's how it works. All he presented was, I have this way where if you do it and you pay attention, you will create that worldview, like the pieces will... Will come together themselves essentially it was the first spiritual opportunity i guess where the answer was you're going to figure it out just by showing up rather than um here's the curriculum you're going to learn it right. if that makes sense so that was my initial attraction to it and i spent a bunch of time with him in central america he was going back to his home in canada for the summer and he said come over and at the time that was like ludicrous for me to be like yeah sure i'll come over that it was a big leap but You know, he had some tools. He had this drum that I hung out and listened to him playing with. And something about it was this was different than everything else I had seen before. So I shockingly that summer hopped on a plane, went to his house in the middle of nowhere in Canada, spent the whole summer with him, just sort of picking at him and and seeing what goes on, went to a couple of ceremonies with him. And sort of right at that moment, I was like all the other window shopping I had been doing spiritually was like. I don't think I need to do any of that anymore. I'm pretty sure this is a complete system. Not the system. I'm not claiming this is the way. I'm just claiming it was a way that was full in and of itself, as far as I could tell at that time. It felt like if I just really apply myself to this, I can satisfy all all that I'm craving spiritually without dipping my toe here and taking a piece of that and doing this and this. It was like I should just really settle into this and, and go for it. So for the next however many years I ended up working with him and assisting him and traveling with him. People wanted him to come all over the place to do things, to do ceremonies. So I ended up sort of being his assistant and working with him and traveling with him and got to see tons of places, people, a new sense of like what is the condition of the human, right? You just see a whole bunch of people in that space. You sort of get a sense of like where are we, Um, what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses, as a people, I mean, Mm -hmm. and personally, of course. but that was it. I kind of once I once I stumbled into that, that was sort of the end of me exploring all the other things. Not that I had any uh, like yoga, for example, I went way into yoga before that. I had no not nothing negative to say about yoga, except that I just felt like this was the spiritual path I really wanted to dedicate myself to.
0: It seems like it found you the way it does for many of us. It does seem like
1: that. Yeah. yeah. I agree there.
0: And exploring this space, you feel that it kind of satisfied that spiritual void that you
1: felt was present prior to embarking on your journey at 21? I think so. It's, you know, nothing gives all the answers. You end up with more questions than answers, frankly. The further down you go, the less you know, which is its own bizarre experience that you don't really think about at the outset. Um, But I do, I, I really did feel like it was clear that making a full dedication to a thing, in this case, was going to be more fruitful than... Taking a taste of everything, if that makes sense. Sure. I felt like it's not that this is the answer. Right. But it's probably a answer to the hole I wanted to fill, right? And just going way deep into one thing was sort of an obvious solution at that point, which I had not even, I didn't even notice that I was a window shopper before that, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. But Maybe. that window shopping period gave you the opportunity sure. to touch a bunch of different tools and practices. And that way, this one kind of uh, felt appropriate as a result of that, let's say, background, right? Like. 100% one formed in the other. What's your educational background?
1: What were you in school for? I studied philosophy before that. Oh nice. Okay, so it was always in your bones sort of. That's what got me that's what got me into eastern sort of eastern philosophy it started yes. with. It wasn't actual spiritual, right? It was sort of the academic side of eastern stuff, so Buddhist texts in an academic lens and, you know, Vedic texts in an academic lens. That's where it began. Something wasn't working at school at a certain nope. point because to me these were spiritual texts and I was reading them that way. Not academic texts, sure. which I was, how I was supposed to write about it and read about it, right? So this divide happened, and I was like, "This is totally unsatisfying," which sort of got me into yoga in particular, because that, that, just because that was an easily tangible practice that existed in the West, like something I, like it was much more difficult, you know, in the middle of Pennsylvania to find some Buddhist center where they were practicing vipassana, or uh, you know, I'm just making I'm, sure sure this is a cocktail of words, but. Whereas there was like a yoga place. I could go to yoga. But to me, this divide started happening towards the end of my education where I was like, this is not academic. This is experiential. Yeah. And it was like, they'd be talking about, I don't know, I'd read a Zen Buddhist text and it'd be like, the teacher whacked the guy with the stick and boom, he was enlightened. And to me, it was like, oh, well, hold on. Is this or Is this history class? Are we just studying what they did over there? Or like, what's going on here? What is enlightenment? No one care here? I started getting frustrated by the end. It was like, where's the meat? There's something here. You're reading this too. Don't you feel it as well? Like there's something in this. Right. Maybe. I mean, maybe
0: all it takes is a whack, you know, from a stick yeah. in the right place. I mean, who knows, right? It's a different prescription for every human being as we've come to experience, especially in this plant medicine space. So how did your experiences fill in your kind of educational background meaning that, you know, that lack, that that dissatisfaction? That um, comes part and parcel to accumulating knowledge, especially when it comes to kind of esoteric Mm -hmm. um, understandings or works, uh, philosophical concepts. Uh, We feel that, again, we could accumulate the knowledge, but ultimately it gives us, like you pointed out, you know, it gives us this history lesson, but it's kind of pointing the finger at something that transcends it something that's available to us, given the right kind of mix of circumstances and environmental cues or whatever it is, but there's something more to it. So these stories, these concepts from yoga to philosophy, it's all pointing the finger at something. It's not the thing, right? But then you encounter the thing, your thing. How did that influence that body of knowledge that had been accumulated prior to that point? Were you able to see it from a kind of new perspective? Did it fill in some of the blanks
1: did it give you what you were looking for i'm not sure if this addresses specifically what you what you are asking but i think it's worth clarifying that i would say the prior education was ultimately a giant hindrance in understanding what i was doing a giant hindrance that needed deliberate effort and attention to to not fall victim to its Mm. it's trappiness for a better word it was a real trap that required significant attention and awareness of to get around if that makes sense
0: it makes perfect sense we have to learn to unlearn to relearn it's a process Um, major trap right um so did you find yourself undoing that trap with the support of the kind of medicine and the work
1: that you were doing totally i mean I i was i would sit with this this guy and and ask academic questions and and he would probably help you
0: unlearn the concepts surrounding the idea of even learning
1: in the first place Uh, frankly he was even hesitant to try to unwind my academic intellectual side of it with words because of my tendency to intellectualize what he said so his solution usually was eat more medicine
0: Right, when someone's caught in the mind, you don't want to meet them in the mind. You're his just answer was usually shut up,
1: it. sit up, eat this. Uh-huh. Perfectly usually... his answer. Yeah, um, And he was right. Because you get to a place where the story you wrote about the thing is so blatantly just the story you wrote about the thing right. that you are embarrassed. It's embarrassing in the moment to look at the story you've written and see how silly and foolish and naive it was. But that's part of getting through it, right? It's like you need to embarrass yourself. You think you know stuff because you studied it. It's embarrassing to go through. And it's sort of the only way to see how ludicrous it was that you thought you had an idea about something um, in sort of an intellectual sense.
0: Right. That's so much of a challenge for so many uh, people, especially Westerners, because... We have to kind of unwind the mental model that exists that has us creating the stories in the first place and has us approaching some of these, let's say, you know, concepts and belief systems in anything other than a linear, mechanical, mental way. And that has to go, right? Because that becomes, as you've identified, a massive hindrance along the way. And it's very hard to tap into the space of feeling when you're so busy, thinking about feeling. Mm -hmm. I noticed that within myself and with others, you know, how difficult it is to unwind some of these concepts. And the depth of conditioning is just staggering. Once you start peeling back the layers, it's mind blowing. It's like, you don't even realize what's going on behind the scenes until you get to peek at some of those layers and programs. But I can say just on my own behalf, without plant medicine, I don't know if I ever would have or witness to
1: some of what was going on back there. No, of course not. Part of the problem is it's celebrated in society, right? You can wave your educational accolades and just be clapped at for them for for your entire life. Until I sat in front of the medicine, which held a mirror that was like brutally honest in a way that didn't give any credence to our societal standards. It just sticks a mirror in your face right. and waits until you actually can see what's in the reflection, because that's its own process. It's very right. easy to look in the mirror and not even see what's actually there. That's you know, people have a real skill at not actually seeing the thing. Yeah, it's even a gift. It's, being shown. <laughs> it's a gift. And, and it's amazing our um, the resilience we have, frankly, to not see it. Yeah, we're very good at, at at not seeing what it is, and when you do see it, it's really embarrassing that you think you know stuff. It's such an embarrassing feeling when you realize how much you don't. Right, but it really that if you can if you can let yourself be embarrassed by it, you come at the other end in much better shape. Frankly, I don't have another way to say it. You yeah. just you're just much better off because it will humble you. I mean, I, I, that is almost a universal experience sure. in my. I, I've never talked to anyone who hasn't been humbled that that goes to ceremony that hasn't been slapped around once or twice to be like. Come on. Oh, yeah. Early and often. I I mean, that's. You've met anyone. Yeah. So you do get humbled whether you want to or not, but you got to see just because it shows it to you doesn't mean you'll see it, which is an ironic uh, conundrum, Uh I guess.
0: First of all, you're not sure it's a mirror. You don't know that it's a mirror. You're just kind of being, you know, ushered into these higher levels of consciousness. And you're like, oh, wow, it's pretty. It's pretty. And, you know, this is beautiful. And then you get a glimpse of something. And the idea is, you know, we, we embrace whatever comes up in ceremony. Embrace it. Don't try to resist it because it'll just persist. It'll come for you because it's, you know, waiting to be resolved. You made a deal to kind of come and take a look. And then when you get this little kind of glimmer of understanding that perhaps there's something there in that image in that experience in that mirror so to speak you start kind of looking at it and you realize who you're looking at and what you're looking at and it's it's me and it's my stuff and then my instant reaction especially early on was to immediately look away and be like you know oh you know that that's great but we're not here for that it's like i'm here for this intention or that intention and the medicine we know heals on an order of priority it's priority not my priority and so in the beginning, even though it was challenging, looking away seemed to be at least for me seemed to be kind of my go-to model because I was doing it in my default world so
1: effectively. I notice it when we talk to each other even we have we've developed some skill with words that we can talk ourselves out of the bare truth that we see. right We could use words to write a story about the thing we witnessed that paints it in another light to ourselves. Sure. Almost like having a good uh, sort of handle on words is like a, it's its own trap. For sure. And you could explain away the thing you just saw, which was clear as day, and sort of justify the way that it was proper or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. You could use words to sort of frame things how you like to. um, And it's a trap. There's a lot of ways with medicines um, in general the medicines are inherently have this amazing capacity. And at the same time, just because you are using them all the time or sometimes or infrequently, however, you can still miss the thing that it's giving you, you know, and, and the harder you work, you don't even realize, I, I mean, I didn't, how hard I was working at not seeing the thing right. that was being shown. And this is why I, I, I'm, I'm such a proponent. And we've talked about this before of sort of the ceremonial structure, because I think the structure itself, the tools that are used, sort of the physics and the science that, that was developed over centuries to be used in these ceremonies, is designed to at least make it more challenging to not see, to avoid the thing that's being shown to you. Or these tools work at preventing the Western mind, at least, from doing its interference pattern that it's accustomed to doing you can break the mind's ability to interfere with itself with some of the tools specifically, which is just, as I said the other day, one of my concerns with the growing fascination in medicines that I don't think is being followed by an equal growing fascination in the tools and the ceremonies themselves. That's a
0: tremendous piece of the puzzle that isn't necessarily being spoken about. Publicly. And I would love to dive into it with you because what we're seeing is we are seeing a little bit of a disconnect from some of the traditional methods and some of the traditional tools that were used for very specific purposes in these spaces. There's this disconnect as these medicines creep into the clinical application and research and the study of them. We are purposely disconnecting some of these traditional pathways because we can't measure them. And we can, let's say, measure other touch points that are critical and necessary for our ability to try and understand what's at play when you know these medicines are being used and worked with. So in order to try to understand things, we chop things into pieces. These are very big, complex problems. And so for us to get a handle on what's going on here, we need to kind of dissect them into small bite-sized pieces that we can try to wrap our arms around. And so that's what we have been doing traditionally as a people. That's what we continue to do. But then a lot of awareness is cut off with that dissection process, right, to try to understand parts is not necessarily understanding the whole, but it's the best that we have right now based on our current kind of scientific models. So we're following these models, but in doing so, we're missing the point a little bit. So can you just jump in and tell me, based on your experience, can we talk about some of these tools and some of these ceremonies and how they were so intelligently designed to bring another dynamic to the healing space that was as critical as the medicine
1: itself? I don't claim to be an expert at any of this, by the way. I just have seen... Share observations. I've yeah. seen various things. And I and back to the way I was taught, I was taught you sit down, you shut up, and you pay attention. That was how you do a ceremony. That was how I was taught. Rather than a study of myself and my problems, etc., it was, no, you study the ceremony, and the ceremony contains all the wisdom you need. So you, you sit down, you shut up, and pay attention to it, and come for a 100 years and you'll you know you'll have a little bit of something you'll come away with a little something there's still more that you didn't get but at least you'll get something right it was all built in it was designed that if you just pay attention to the way it works you'll pick up a little tidbit every day so sit down shut up pay attention when i went to other ceremonies and other traditions where that wasn't necessarily the uh the general way that people conduct themselves in there that was my habitual way of doing it right so i'd go into some ayahuasca ceremony in Colombia, and I'd be sitting there, shutting up, paying attention and studying how are they working in this space? What is their protocol for cleanliness in a ceremonial space? I think to me, one of the most important topics generally is entanglement. I think it's one of the most important from the background I come from. Let's talk about entanglement generally. The idea that a group of people are coming to a space and using these medicines, which are sort of expansive on our natural bandwidth. I often use the example of a dog whistle, which is like a whistle, the dog hears it, we don't, but there's obviously a real something occurring because you see the dog respond to it, right? To me, the medicine, one of the things it does is it expands the bandwidth on our senses on, on an everyday basis, right? So you hear a broader spectrum of sound, you see a broader spectrum of color, you feel a broader spectrum of energy, et cetera. When you do this with a group of people, there needs to be some protocol that people aren't entangling themselves with other people's stuff, The way the man that I used to spend time with, he would say, he he had two sayings. He says, you need to, first of all, you need to know where you end and someone else begins. And he also said, everything shits and everything eats, which means that sort of like, it's all heightened in a ceremonial space. We're intentionally heightening it, right? Because we could access stuff that we can't otherwise access. If you just extrapolate that idea, everything's shitting and everything's eating, right? Just think of it outward flow and inward flow, right? Things are coming off of individuals. And this could be extremely physical form, like someone just vomits. Or in much more subtle form, right? And everyone eats. So, you know, one of the ways that you think about this even is eye contact, right? Like eye contact is an eating and a shitting. Yes. I'll speak for myself. I come from world where there, I had no sense of this. He used to call this multidimensional common sense. Mm, cute. Which if you just are eating medicine, it's so obvious that this is going on. But it's totally not common sense from the Western world. Right. It would never occur to me that... Um, if you are over there vomiting, me looking at it is sort of careless, multidimensional behavior. It kind of is, right? Why, why should I eat whatever you just, whatever that was, you want it out. Yes. Why am I going to eat it? Right. And this is sort of multidimensional common sense is sort of our joke about it, but it is it is common sense, of course, but it's not ingrained in a Westerner. Like There's nothing in our sort of life. There's nothing common sense about that in our everyday world. But you get in a ceremonial space and you pay attention and you watch things. It's such an obvious entanglement. Why am I going to take on any of what you just got out? And in fact, every single ceremony I've been to all over the world has a very particular way of dealing with that stuff, right? Someone vomits, there's a way it's dealt with. In ceremonies in North America, there's a particular way. It's brought somewhere. It's buried a certain way. It's There's herbs put with it. It's out of sight. In Colombia, there's a way it's dealt with. Peru, they have a way of dealing with it. Everyone has a way of dealing with this stuff without talking to each other. And the reason they all fall on the same conclusion, I think the best of our knowledge was that it was because it's multidimensional common sense, of course. So to me, when I think of, I think the original question is what tools do we need to be cautious about and really use? And, And it's just a perfect example to me is strangers, right? You can go to a ceremony with a stranger. You have no idea what they're carrying in their backpack. You don't know what they're about to spill in the space. Is there a protocol or a system, or even if there's no protocol, do at least the participants understand that everyone hears shitting and everyone hears eating? Can we not eat other people's stuff? And can we not shit on people? For lack of a better way of saying it, I'm sorry for my crudeness. No, it's perfect. So just an example is like, it's very difficult when we don't have the common sense structure, right? I I imagine sort of in, you go back to ancient Peru and the Amazon, the stuff I'm talking about right now, they'd think I'm a maniac in terms of the words I'm using but it was completely ubiquitous in the society everyone sort of understood on a spiritual energetic level that this type of exchange is occurring there are cultures where there's just inherent caution i've met indigenous people where they just never look you in the eyes at first i was offended and then until it became clear like no they're just extremely cautious about they don't just eat anything right there's a culture where there's a consciousness around eating and shitting our culture lacks that consciousness, right? I lacked it for sure. Yeah. So when it comes to ceremonial spaces where I hope knowingly we're, we're opening up and broadening the spectrum of what we're what our output and input is, I hope we at least know that, right? I think Westerners, it's even more important that the tools, whether we understand them or not, for avoiding entanglement, just as an example, keeping things clean. I'm not even getting into the whole other element of of external intrusions into a space. That's a whole other separate topic, right? There's there's our own mess that we can create here that we don't want to be eating each other's mess. And then there's external interference, which is its own problem, and that's separate. I'm not even going to go there. But because it's not common sense in our culture, it's really important that we have some guiding tools in a ceremonial space. I think that give us a sense of yeah. We do need to be cautious around how we entangle with one another, keeping everyone sort of clean. I'm a huge proponent of the medicine, so please don't take any of all these medicines. So please don't take anything I'm about to say as not being a huge proponent of it. But there are people who are coming to to medicine ceremonies and leaving more confused than when they got there. Sure. And a lot of the time, the confusion is such that they think they're less confused it's a bigger problem, yes. In that case, right, we're creating a perpetual cycle of making people worse off and making them think they're better off in the same moment. That's a really catastrophic problem if you extrapolate it all the way. Psychological entanglements. It's scary, right, exactly. And, and to me, the tools are designed to prevent that from happening, right? There's no reason that like someone should come to a ceremony and leave in worse shape because they gobbled up someone else's trauma and problem without even knowing it happened. And now they're carrying some burden that isn't even theirs. They don't even know how it got there. And And it's happening,
0: right? And, And this is kind of a cautionary tale for anyone out there that's starting to embark on their own personal journey into this space. You really have to understand who you're sitting with. There's no rating system or website that will help us make some of these very critical decisions, but it's important to do your own research. And it's important to... Really understand that these healing pathways have been around for a very, very long time, and it would be wise to ensure, to the degree that we're able, the provenance of the tool and the administrator um, otherwise what you have is you have a lot of people rushing into this space because they've felt, let's say, some of the healing potential within themselves and instantly want to bring it to their friends and family, as I did personally as well, but with, let's say, less restraint than may be required. And they end up making more of a mess as a result of their eagerness or lack of training and guidance and it's a challenge but we are seeing the space kind of really blow up right now and we should definitely take pause before rushing head first to understand what we're working with who we're working with and to do as much research as possible to try to hedge against some of these uh potentially dangerous side effects the side effects have less to do with the medicine and more to do with uh, who's, who's providing them and how